Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, and welcome to the Boss Up Podcast, episode 384. I am your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. Today, I'm thrilled to be talking all things personal productivity and embracing the joy of missing out with Tanya Dalton. Tanya is a best-selling author, speaker, nationally recognized productivity expert, and serves as a growth strategist for female leaders. In addition to her first book, The Joy of Missing Out, being named one of the top 10 business books of the year by Fortune magazine, Tanya's podcast, The Intentional Advantage, has received millions of downloads from listeners across the globe. She's a featured expert on several networks, including NBC and Fox, and she's a VIP contributor on entrepreneur.com. She is the founder and CEO of Inkwell Press Productivity Company, a multi-million dollar company providing tools that work as a catalyst in helping women do less while achieving maximum success. Tanya, welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Tanya, I'm delighted to be sitting down with someone who, like me, is a bit of a productivity nerd uh, and, and loves a good personal hack for dealing with the many demands on our time. But I'm also excited to be sitting down with you in this moment in history because I feel like the level of burnout and overwhelm is just unprecedented right now. And I don't know what phase we are in, post-pandemic, mid-pandemic, who knows really like what compared to 2020 we're actually staring at. But how do you begin to even think about personal productivity in such an age of overwhelm? Yeah, well, you know, honestly, Overwhelm is one of those things that pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, post-pandemic seems to be one of those words that when you ask anyone, no matter what what stage of life they're in or what they're doing or what industry they're in, you're like, how are you? Everyone's overwhelmed. And I like to say overwhelm isn't having too much to do. It's not knowing where to start. Mm. And I think it's because, especially as women, we have so much on our plates right? We're juggling 5 million different, you know, chainsaws that are on fire. <laughs> yeah. And we're trying to look good while we're doing it. And it's exhausting. And, and this is the thing is when we have a cluttered to-do list, when we have all these things kind of floating around that we need to do, it is incredibly difficult to know where to start. And it's so easy for burnout to creep in. It's funny because I, I just recently wrote an article for Entrepreneur Magazine talking about the fact that, you know, burnout is, has been one of those key phrases we're hearing a lot about over and over again. Everyone is feeling burned out. And I think the truth is burnout isn't necessarily caused by overwork. It's caused by not finding meaning in our work. When we understand why we're doing what we're doing, when we really tie, whether we're talking about work in our homes or work in our offices, 
we need to find meaning why we're doing it. It really is at the heart about being intentional, making the choices about what it is you're doing and connecting that to a much bigger why. Absolutely. And, and when do you feel like you personally came to this work? You know what I mean? What, what called you to this kind of purpose-driven work helping well, others? I would say burnout and overwhelm. <laughs> that seems appropriate. <laughs> that <me> there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I, started my, I started my first business in 2008. I scaled that in less than a year to absorb my husband's MBA income. I was, you know, at the time I had two small children. My children are no longer small. My son is six foot three. So he's, he towers over me, but you know, I was running a company I had a husband who, you know, I was taking on into my business. I was running a house, trying to be active in the PTA and doing all the things with the kids, right? All the chainsaws. And, you know, there were there were moments where I just, I felt like lost, quite frankly. And there was this, there was this day, this very specific day where everything shifted for me, where I was standing in front of the stovetop, stirring a pot of spaghetti, of all things. Kids are playing at my feet, playing, arguing. It's all the same thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> They're playing at my feet. And I hear my husband come home and he's been gone all day. And I'm so relieved that he's home, right? Because I'm like, oh, relief is here. Not because I'm like, oh, I get a break, but more like, oh, now I can get more done, mm. right? So he doesn't come in the house, doesn't come in the house still doesn't come in the house, like four or five minutes pass. And I'm so irritated and angry at this point. And I stomp over to the garage door. I fling it open and I look at him out there and he's sitting in the car laughing to some bit on the radio, like just <laughs> having a great time. And I was furious. I was so mad. And I thought, how dare he sit out in the car while I'm in here doing all of this I would never do that. Mm. And that was the phrase that changed me. Mm -hmm. I would never, I would never give myself four or five minutes to sit in the car just laughing or four minutes to transition from work to home or four. I couldn't give myself four minutes. Mm -hmm. That's when I really began to realize that I was taking a lot of pride in the number of things I was doing. I was wrapped up in the quantities, right? Oh, I got 50 things done today instead of the quality. So doing all the things rather than doing fewer things that had more meaning. And, and depriving yourself, back, it sounds like, of that that moment for yourself. Yes. Well, not only depriving myself, but also, guess what? I'm not the best human to be around when I'm in that state. I'm right. not the best mom, wife, you know, worker, yeah. any of those things, friend. Yeah. <laughs> so it really is. It was for me stepping back and reassessing and realizing that productivity isn't about doing more. It's doing what's most important. And I really started going on this mission of discovering what is most, most important. important. How do I figure out what's most important when everything feels important? Yeah. Right? So it was for me, that was really where I started getting into the true definition or what I believe is the true redefinition of productivity. Right. And I love that. That was right where I'm going next is to ask you about that what is it? Purposeful productivity. What do you think of yeah. when you think of purposeful productivity? What does that term really mean to you? Well, I think this is a thing is we do get really caught up in how many things we've done in the day. Have, you know, this is a good mm. question for your listeners to think about. You know, have you ever had one of those days where you're running around? You have a to-do list that's five miles long, right? You've checked a thousand things off the list. You've been, you've been busy. You've done a lot. But then that night you slip into bed and you think to yourself, oh, 
why didn't I get more done? Mm -hmm. Or I should have done more, right? But you were busy all day long. Yeah. That's because we're not really doing the work that matters. Right. We're doing the 50 things, right? We're taking ourselves in 50 different directions rather than really being true to who we are, what we want, mm. and really doing work that feels meaningful. And that's stepping back and having purposeful productivity, really being intentional about the choices we're making and then moving forward to do those things. Right. And it doesn't feel sometimes like we have a choice, does it? It feels like we're just trying to drink from a fire hose, just get through the day, get through the week, survive. <laughs> and for a lot of folks, you know, financial scarcity, social injustice, like there are lots of macro level factors that make us feel like we're drinking from a fire hose on occasion. You know, I'm thinking of, Without question. Uh, you know, the privilege inherent in having a partner to navigate new motherhood with, right? Like that makes things a lot easier for me than some of my friends who are doing it solo. So when you are feeling like I have no choice, like I'm just trying mm -hmm. to get through the day or get through the week, how do you stop, take that big picture view and kind of recognize the small choices we may have that we don't often see? Yeah. Well, I think this is a big one because we we sometimes lose sight of the choices. We feel like we don't have control over our time. And if we don't feel like we have control over our time, the question is who does control your time, right? But honestly, when I really stepped back, because I felt that way, oh, I don't have enough time in the day. If I just had an extra hour, okay, can't help you there. Yeah. We all just get the 24. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but you know, when we step back and we really assess you know, why do I feel like I don't have choices? And I really began to realize a lot of it ties into the stories that we tell ourselves. Those stories we tell ourselves about what a good mom does, what a good friend does, what a good worker does, right? We tell ourselves these stories and we set this bar of expectation that's not just high, it's like a skyscraper, yeah. right? Yeah. Like we're setting ourselves up for failure. So a lot of times when I feel like I'm in a situation where I don't have a choice, where I'm like, oh, I don't have any choice in this. I step back and I ask myself, is there a story here? Like, why do I feel like I don't have a choice? Is it because I feel like I'm obligated to say yes to all these other things because that's what a good wife, mom, sister, mother, whatever it is, what, is that what they do? And is that true, right? I think getting to the heart of a lot of these stories is incredibly powerful. So that's a lot of times on us and our stories, but oftentimes it's also on other people, right? We feel like we have an overbearing boss, perhaps, um, who puts a lot on our plate. And so here's what I would say, whether it's an overbearing boss or you feel like your husband overschedules you, or, you know, it's this organization that you're a part of that has all these things going on. We have a choice. And that first choice is starting the conversation. Mm, yeah. So let's talk about the right? Because I think that's a big one Definitely. where people are like, well, I just don't have a choice because my boss just continually puts thing on my, things on my plate. Listen, I'm a boss myself because I've owned my own company since 2008. I have employees. And a lot of times I'm so busy looking at my own plate, I don't realize how much I'm putting on theirs. So that's the first thing is recognize your boss is probably human and doesn't realize how many things she has assigned you, right? right? So when she assigns you something new, I want to encourage you to go talk to your boss and say, oh, this is amazing. I'm really excited about this new project. Tell me what I need to deprioritize 
on my list of things to do so I can really give this project the time, the attention, and the focus mm. it really deserves. I want to do an incredible job. Here's all the things I'm working on. Right. Right? Right. So that's not aggressive at all. Mm-hmm. It's it's just kind of laying it out on the table. And chances are, and anytime I've given this advice, people come back to me and they're like, oh my gosh, my boss was like, I didn't know you were doing all of that. Or, oh, wait, this new project, that's not a priority. These other things are. So that's one way to start opening up that conversation is really in the same thing with your your spouse or whether, you know, it's being a part of an organization, really opening up the conversation. There's so much power in communication. And that can feel so scary. It can be such a barrier that I think we sometimes tell ourselves, back to your point about stories, right? We tell ourselves, I need to quit, (laughs) right? Like, I can't do this anymore. I'm out. Or I can't be on the PTA if this is what it's, you know, entailing. And frankly, everything is negotiable, right? I constantly find myself saying everything is negotiable. And it's a matter of starting that conversation, whether it's with your boss or whomever, to set some boundaries and make some of those trade-offs consciously, not necessarily quietly, right? Like having the conversation out loud. Absolutely. I think here's the thing with our boundaries. We get really upset when our boundaries get overstepped. Mm. We get really irritated. We're like, how dare he or she, right? right? How dare they? My boss emailed me on the weekend. I what are they thinking? But if we have not clearly communicated our boundaries, that's on us right? We need to clearly communicate our boundaries. If you feel like your boss is, you know, impeding on your weekend time, sending back a quick email message that says, great, I'll be happy to take a look at this on Monday. Right now I'm in family time. So I want to give this my full attention when I'm back in work mode. Again, do you see how that's kind, but also assertive? Totally. Well, asserting those boundaries, right? Absolutely. Uh, Same thing when we're, you know, asked to do things. We're asked to volunteer a lot for different things. And a Mm -hmm. lot of times we're kind of taken off guard, really understanding what your boundaries are. How much time are you willing to gift away? Because here's the thing. Our time, we hand it out like it's, you know, pennies on the street when they're really $100 bills. (laughs) That's a really good point. I'm a chronic overcommitter myself, so I find myself uh, too often overestimating my capacity, right, and being uh, a little, what's the word that I use, aspirational with my planning sometimes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I want to go back to that point. It's $100 bills, not pennies. How do we begin to be more intentional and not feel that FOMO that we talk so much about. Like, I, I can't say yeah. no to this opportunity or I'm going to have the feeling of FOMO. You talk about a different approach to that philosophy. I'd love to hear how that factors in. Yeah. Well, my first book is called The Joy of Missing Out. So it's all about <laughs> taking that FOMO and flipping it on its head. Yeah. Because really there is so much joy in saying no to the things that don't bring you happiness, right? And in The Joy of Missing Out, I actually have a finding your yes blueprint. So it walks you through how do you figure it out? Here's the problem that a lot of us fall prey to is we think to our, somebody comes up to us and they ask us for our time, right? Oh, I need you to bake, you know, 96 dozen cookies (laughs) for the bake sale tomorrow. And we think, okay, I've got 15 minutes, so surely I can take on this five-hour task, right? right? We're overestimating our time. Mm -hmm. When really the first question we should ask ourselves is not, do I have the time? That question is like question three, four, five down the line. The first question is, how do I feel about this? Like, do I get a feeling in my gut of excitement or dread? 
what is my body telling me? Am I like, oh gosh, this, this lady again, tapping me to do more, right? Am I excited about it? Then you ask yourself, does this align? Is this something that feels meaningful to me? Am I excited about this? Is this a cause that I'm interested in? Is this, you know, if somebody's asking you to bake for the bake sale and you love the school, doesn't mean you have to bake. You know, if you don't love baking, you could easily say no to this and yes to something else down the road, right? So does this excite me? Does this align with who I am and what I like? Um, you know, what is what is the opportunity here? Is this going to give me a good payoff? Then we can start asking ourselves, now do I have the time? The problem is we feel like we have to fill our time. And if we're not constantly busy, somehow we're failing. Well, I think it starts to get addictive. We like that feeling of the dopamine hit we get when we cross off the item on our to-do list or check off the tick box. Yeah. So we get a little bit on that hamster wheel and that can that can go awry really quickly. Exactly. And I, yeah. I think that's the thing is a lot of times we set our goals or we say yes based off what everybody else is doing. Totally. We're like, ooh, she's doing amazing things. I should do more of what she's doing. Yeah. Or I like what this person's doing over here, so I should do more of that. Right. When they're tapping into their gifts, we want to tap into our own, right? Yeah. And so there's this exercise that I walk people through in my second book and on purpose. It's called mm. the pie activity. Because I think this is a thing. A lot of times we have a lot of things that we're really excited about. Yeah. A lot of interest we could pursue. And we just think, well, I'm multi-passionate. Mm. And then we hide behind that in that we can't move forward on any one of them because we're mm. multi-passionate, right? Mm -hmm. So what I like you to do is to really just take a little bit of an assessment of what are you really passionate about? So the first thing you do is you list out all these different things that you think that you're interested in, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you have three columns and each column is P-I-E. P stands for powers. How much does this lean into your powers, your unique gifts and the things mm -hmm. that make you, you, right? Is it, you know, a one, oh, this is really difficult for me, or is it a 10? Oh, mm -hmm. that's a piece of cake. So give it a rating on one to 10, right? Mm -hmm. Of how well this fits into your powers, your gifts. Then we go to the second column, which is I, for impact. Okay. Mm. On a scale of one to 10, how much will this activity, you know, ch impact my world or the sure. world of others around me, including my family? If you own a business, your customers, your clients, right? Sure. So powers on one to 10, then impact one to 10. And then the E is excitement. How excited am I? Am I fired yeah. up for this? Am I like a 10? Like we should definitely do this. Or am I thinking to myself, oh, do we have to do this? That's yeah. a one, right? So we do this for each of the things that you listed out originally. Mm -hmm. Powers, impact, and excitement. And then you add them up, right? You have a chance to get up to 10 for each, so a high of 30. Sure. Once you've done that, it's so easy. You suddenly, it becomes really clear. Yeah. Oh, wait, I thought I liked this, but it doesn't fit into my powers. And I'm not really that excited about it. Right. And you can start to really see, this is where I want to spend the majority of my time. Uh -huh. Right, And so that's incredibly empowering to really get clear on what it is you want. Yeah. It's interesting because I see a lot of people who identify as multi-passionate get really excited about starting new things and not the murky middle of like figuring out how to sustain <laughs> them. Right. <laughs> and I think back to 2020 when people became fanatical about bread baking all of a sudden and, you know, Peloton had its moment and I'm curious to see how many people are still making bread at home. You know what I mean? So like what happens if your passion or it feels like 
that excitement fades over time. What does that mean about tapping into purpose over the course of our careers, which can be quite long? Yeah, well, I think here's the thing. I think the word purpose is really heavy. I think people think that purpose defines you now and always, and that's not true. I want you to do away with any of that heaviness because the truth is your purpose evolves and changes and it grows just like you do. Right. You just had a baby, right, Mm -hmm. in the past year. Are you the same person that you were two years ago? Do you have any of the same priorities? No. Probably not. Yeah, no. (laughs) It's wild. Yeah, absolutely. Crazy. Old things have gone away and new things are blooming, right? And this is how it needs to move for us, that we're constantly taking a good look and seeing our choices. Hey, I don't have to keep doing these things. Just because I started doing it 10 years ago doesn't mean I still need to keep doing it. Maybe it's time for that to go off, bless and release it, right? Mm -hmm. Out into the world and then focus in on these other things. So don't get caught up in this idea. Yes, I want you looking out into the future, creating a beautiful vision of where you want to go. This is why we check in at least once a year, if not more. Is this still where I want to go, right? Because the truth is a lot of times we're on the super highway of life and the speed limit's 65, but we're going 80, right? And we're going 80 miles an hour down this highway. And all of a sudden we look down and we're like, hold on, I'm not on the highway anymore, right? Oh, I got off track. And we assume that's failing. And the truth is a lot of times when you get off track, you look around and you go, wait a minute, this is a beautiful scenic view. I didn't even know this was here. I like this better. This is an absolutely beautiful opportunity to say, do I want to get back on that highway onto the old goals, right? Or do I want to shift? Do I want to evolve? Do I want to change into something new, right? This is what I call the three A's where you're going to acknowledge, hey, I got off track. That's okay. Just acknowledge where you are. Then assess, do I like this new place or do I want to go back on the highway? And then that third A is let's adjust. Either we need to adjust our goals, right? To change it into something brand new, or we need to adjust our habits to get back on track to that highway. Either one works and either one is a win, right? Getting off track is not failing. Getting off track is living. That's yeah. what life is about. <laughs> Getting lost and then finding your yeah. way again. Yeah. And how boring would it be otherwise, right? If we could predict oh, everything right. out, we wouldn't want to get out of bed. So I guess my question is how do we balance that duality? That idea of starting with the end in mind, which I know is a, uh, a phrase you like to, to call upon that my architect husband has always been a big fan of because they talk about <laughs> in design. It's good for work. architects yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's really good for that. But also then being able to pivot emotionally. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about in terms of architecture. I think if you really think about it, when they, they build buildings and bridges, don't they build them with flexibility built in so they can withstand the winds and hurricanes? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if it's too rigid, what happens is you get a big, strong gust of wind and everything falls apart. Right. And this is the thing is productivity, having a vision, it provides beautiful scaffolding for Mm. where we want to go. Right. But it doesn't restrain us. It doesn't constrict us. So really what I like to do is at least once a year, I actually do this quarterly where I do quarterly check-ins with myself. I check in with my goals. I take a look. Here's where I am today. Yeah. Here's where I want to go. Do I still want to go there? Do I still like it? That's the first check. Do the gut check. Just like we talked about with, you know, saying yes. Yeah. Do the gut check. Do I still like this? Or is this somebody else's dream? Yeah. A lot of times it's our parents' dreams. 
right? Our, what our parents wanted us to do, or what other people thought we should do. Do I still like this? And then it's like, okay, now I make the adjustments. Mm. I do those three A's of acknowledge, assess, and adjust. So doing that on a regular basis allows you to have that future visioning Mm. while still having that flexibility, that grace for life to happen. And life needs so much grace. Otherwise, (laughs) if it's too rigid, it just falls apart. It does. Now, I know you're a planner and productivity pal yourself. You have the Inkwell Press Productivity Company and your amazing suite of planners. And we're big planner people here at Bossed Up too with our Life Tracker Planner, which to your point, has quarterly moments of mindful reflection built right in. How did you, how did you, like, tell me about your philosophy about planners in general, because I think the past few years, especially the last year of my life, I look back on my planner, I'm like, what the hell was even going on? (laughs) Like, I was really in survival (laughs) mode for the first couple of months of new motherhood. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And now I look at my planner, I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling on top of this. I have more clear direction and scaffolding to your point, but also room for flexibility. Like how do you, how do you approach involving a paper planner in your planning and visioning process? Yes. Well, I love this because I think a planner really does, it gives you that scaffolding, Yeah. right? That that's really so important. I do two types of planning. I do planning with my family that I call team planning. And I do that on Sundays. We sit down and we talk about, okay, what projects, what tasks do you have? Mm. And each kid is in charge, right, of their things. And I started this when my kids were really little, like three or four years old. We would sit down and we would use stickers and pictures and things like that of what they wanted to do for the week. As I got older, then it would be like, you know, book reports and things like that. And then I would say, like, what do you need to get done this week if your book report's done in three weeks? So Mm. helping them create their own scaffolding. We are a team. We're not just a family. Yeah. We're here to support each other, right? So I'd be like, okay, so Jack, you've got play practice three times this week. Okay, what are you going to do to help your brother? What am mm. I going to do to help him, right? Instead of emptying the dishwasher this week, I'll do it for you. And so we right. start divvying those things out. Same way that we, I do team planning at my office, right? Your, your house is like a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. It's run just like a business. <laughs> the product you're creating is well-adjusted children, yeah. If, if you don't have children, it's really living to your morals and your values, yeah. all of those things. So I do that on Sundays and we kind of just create a little blanket list of what we needed to get done. On Mondays, I sit down and I do the same thing for work. Mm. I use that as my well to drop on. So then mm. I meet with my team. We talk about what my priorities are for the week to help them prioritize what their priorities are. And then each day I use that weekly kickstart. And I pull from that to say, okay, what do I need to prioritize for today? Because the biggest mistake we can make is mapping out our day from start to finish on Sunday or Monday. Because what happens is, you know, Monday's great. It's super productive. But Tuesday, you have a sick kid or you wake up with allergies and you get behind because, well, life again, right? Flexibility. Well, if you've already planned out Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday morning before you've gotten out of bed, you're already behind. Mm. And Thursday, just forget about it, right? Yeah. If we treat each day as a gift, if we get up and we start with thinking about what do I want to feel at the end of the day? Yeah. What would help me at the end of the day feel successful? Mm. Some days it's being really present for my kids because mm. they have an event happening, right? Sometimes it's um, you know really feeling prepared 
because I have a, a, pro a project or a mm -hmm. presentation coming up. How do I want to feel at the end of the day? So again, it's that grace and that flexibility of building that yeah. into your day. And I, I hear a lot of emotional intelligence there, right? Which is talking about our feelings at work, something that feels a little less easy to do in some workplaces than others, but is absolute imperative, right, to drive success over the long term. So I see that happen in our team here when it comes to how do I want to feel at the end of the week? Like, how am I going to win this week so that I can give mm -hmm. myself the grace and flexibility of striving towards that feeling, um, being so powerful? It really is. Because yeah. – if we get to the heart of what the productivity that we're striving for, what it's here to do, mm -hmm. isn't it so that you can feel good? Isn't it so that you I can would feel hope so, happy? right? I mean, otherwise, why are we doing this? Why are we here? Why are we <laughs> why here? Why are we dancing this dance? So, really tapping into how yeah. do I want to feel gets us a roadmap, right? Mm -hmm. That right there is starting with the end in mind. How do I want to feel at the end of the day? Yeah. How do I want to feel at the end of this week? Yeah. That's really taking that big vision, breaking it down and making it so I much I love that so much. Your work, I think, is so timely in that way because staying focused on what feels purposeful and embracing the joy of missing out is my mantra. So, Tanya, thank you so much for sharing so much of your findings and your sort of lessons learned with our audience. Where can we learn more about you and the great work you do? Yes. Well, one of the easiest places, honestly, is wherever you're listening to this podcast, as soon as we finish up here, you can go do a search for The Intentional Advantage or search by my name and you'll find my podcast. We have 270, 80 some odd podcast episodes out there in the world, which are great, uh, great resource for you. Uh, you can also go to tanyadalton.com. There you can find links to my books, which are available anywhere books are sold. And you can find all kinds of information about me and everything else. So tanyadalton.com. Well, we will drop links to all of those in today's show notes. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. For all the links and resources we mentioned on today's episode, head to bossedup.org slash episode 384. That's bossedup.org slash episode 384. And you can learn more about our proprietary planner system, the Bossed Up Life Tracker Planner, designed to help women mitigate guilt as they pursue their purpose at bossedup.org slash planner. We have three new cover designs for our limited edition of 2023 planners that are going fast and will be gone when they sell out. That is it. So if you want to get your hands on one of our planners, check them out at bossedup.org slash life tracker planner until next time let's keep boston in pursuit of our purpose and together let's lift as we climb